Welcome to the Cup and Saucy Book Club. My name is Jen. And I'm Zana. Today we're going to chat about the books that I made Zana read. <laughs> oh, yes. Yes, she did. But first of all, what's in your cup today, Zana? Today I am drinking a mint tea from Adagio Tea, not sponsored. It is apple and orange and mint and it just sort of tastes refreshing and a little bit holiday-ish too a little holiday yeah well in my cup today is paris tea from harney and sons also not sponsored it's a favorite black tea of mine with a little bit of just a dash of vanilla in it it's a nice one to get me going but sometimes it's hard for me to find so i tend to hoard it when i have it (laughs) we would like to welcome you all to the podcast and say thank you for joining us so Zana and I have been friends for mumble, oh, gosh, mumble, number five, of years. Five-ish-ish more. Yeah, I don't so know. a longish enough time. Uh, but we, unfortunately, we live on opposite coasts from each other. So we took the opportunity to create a podcast in order for us to be able to talk to each other, talk about books, talk about whatever else happens to be on our mind. But primarily through this podcast, we're going to be talking about books. And I am a voracious reader, particularly of romance novels and the romance genre. I have been reading since the age of 12 and reading things back then that I probably shouldn't have. Fast forward several years and I am voraciously reading them again. You know, the, uh, everybody staying at home, it, it made you uh, catch up on your reading list. And Zana, you're, you were not as much of a reader until, until so, I kind of yeah, forced I, you into it recently. <laughs> I, I used to be something of a reader and then I became a technical writer and editor professionally. And that sort of made me read books in a way that was very annoying for me for pleasure. So I was not able to read them in the same way that I used to be able to read them. It was more like I was reading them to look for mistakes. And that made it very difficult for me to really just sort of enjoy literature, enjoy books in general. I am not a romance reader. I am a well, okay, let me rephrase that. I'm a fledgling romance reader because I have agreed to read whatever Jennifer tells me to read. And I'm enjoying it very much. I've actually read about eight books in the last week and I of several different genres, uh, several romance books, several, a couple of nonfiction books and some mystery romance-ish type book and something that would be straight fiction book or, you know, considered fiction, although there were elements of all genre fiction in the books. I just, I, I, what I do enjoy is consuming stories. And so I'm happy that I have this coming back to this tool of being able to read books and listen to books and have stories coming to me because that's really what it's all about really is stories and so that's what we're going to be doing on this podcast is we'll take one episode a month where I will suggest things that Xana should read and we'll talk about them and then in the in the month following we'll actually talk about that particular book but we'll also be talking with 
people in the book industry. And that's not just the authors, but the publishers, the um and the audiobook narrators. And for myself, right now, most of my reading actually comes from audiobooks. I have a lengthy commute for my day job. And so the audiobooks help me tune out everything in uh, that's a part of my commute, but also help me uh, to consume books faster. So we'll be talking with audiobook narrators. We'll be talking with, and we'll be talking with adaptive uh, screenwriters, those who have taken books and adapted them for some other media for either television or for, or for film and how they go through that process and do that and how books are a part of everything that we that we now consume in, in media. And we can't really get by without stories. That is part of the human experience is to tell each other stories. And so that doesn't just mean fiction. Uh, it means nonfiction too. Biographies tell a story and you can, you can tell a story about almost anything, but what we won't be doing is anything too technical or uh, textbooky. <laughs> Those aren't really stories. We won't be there. doing the technical writing. I will not be reviewing yes. any manuals. <laughs> I will not be reviewing any training materials. <laughs> We're this here to tell you about the story and story. <laughs> yeah. We're here to tell you about the stories. We're here to tell you, you know, to suggest. I will say as a caveat uh, at the very beginning that while we both appreciate the independent bookseller and the independent publishing author, we know that that's not always a practical thing to go to the independent bookseller and to get a book in your area. So if you are listening on Audible, you know, to audiobooks, if you're going to Amazon, then, and that's the way that you can get your materials, then go for it. We will uh, be talking with independent booksellers in future episodes. And so they will have their opinions as to what they think of Amazon, but we all understand that it's the 500 pound gorilla and that it has to be reckoned with. So that said, I gave you an assignment, Zana. Yes, and you did. What what was what was your first assignment for our first episode? So the first assignment is primarily written as a three-part audio play. Short three stories. audio plays put together. Yeah. yeah, three audio plays put together. And it was the These Walls Can Talk series by Aaron Mallon. The three plays are These Walls Can Talk, The Narwhal Strikes Back, and Rise of the Machine. And it was a delightful first assignment, I must say. Um. <laughs> and a little bit of background here. So these are, the audio play was a full cast audio play with some of the better known names in, in audiobook narration, particularly in romance. It featured Aaron Mallon, Shane East, Joe Arden, Teddy Hamilton, Andy Arndt, Tanya Eby, Jason Clark, and Emma, Emma Wilder, Wilder and yes. um, Maxine Mitchell and Maxine Mitchell, right? And so these are all these are all names that anybody familiar with 
romance novels and audiobook romance novels know at least some of these names. They are consistently given the assignment of doing those audiobooks. Yes, these, um, most of my recommendations for Xana will not be for the faint of heart. So if, if you have any qualms about the racy stuff, then skip ahead. <laughs> might not be all for you but <laughs> this may not be for you and and we will we will own that at the beginning <laughs> yes let's talk about the thing itself okay so the first one the first one these walls can talk we'll we'll take them apart individually i think and what did you think of the performances the play itself so when i first started listening to it I think I could probably safely say it was there's certain characters. It was very hard to tell whether or not they just not being familiar with the audiobook world in general. I mean, I, I've listened to audiobooks, but I've listened to not a huge amount of audiobooks. And most of them were by like a single narrator. And so it was it was interesting because I was like, is this is this who this person actually is? And, you know, is this are they are they putting on an act, how are they, you know, kind of approaching this? And one of the the key characters in it, Atticus Barnswallow, was who's played by Joe Arden, was particularly what I kind of think about as a dim bulb bro kind of romance. Yeah, he is he's he's meant to be sort of the the himbo of this thing. <laughs> yes. Thank you. Himbo. Himbo is the word I'm looking for. And for me, not having heard Joe Arden before, I didn't really understand his his range. I'm very, very glad, and I can't remember exactly. I should have written down which play it was in. But there's a moment where he gets to show sort of a broader range. Kind of don't want to say it yet because I'm not sure if it's this book or the, or, or the second one. I think it might be The Narwhal Strikes Back. But they were able to get me interested in the story when the story itself at first was just sort of like, oh, well, I know what's going to happen. And I and I kind of did and I kind of didn't. There are some there were some things that were sort of fun surprises in there, uh, but it's they're they're sticking to a pretty standard trope as satire which was not really super obvious satire at first. not outright parody of... Actually, honestly, parody is probably a better term for it because it, it, was, it was so much making fun of what they do, but in, a, in such a lighthearted and loving way that it was, it was impossible not to be charmed by it. And the performances were extraordinary. You know, they, they definitely were very very well done performances so i mean they the narration was perfect there were no real issues with it and it you know it was fun it was fun to sort of try to figure out what was going on and and whether it, so at first it kind of starts with everybody a little bit separate and then you start to they start to merge together as most books of this ilk will do. I mean, most books do. I mean, there's yeah. why I have these characters unless they're going to interact in some way. I, I thought it was a really a nice opening to kind of whet the appetite for more to come. Well, I, what was what was interesting to me about it was where 
so Aaron Mallon, who wrote all of this, has worked with all of these people in mm-hmm. various books. So she knows these people very well. You know, in addition to that, they also go to romance conventions, you know, right. and similar types of things. So they see each other. Sure. Except for Joe Arden. Except well, except for Joe Arden. And <laughs> and for those who don't know, Joe Arden never lets himself be seen. He and that's why he's referred to as the narwhal in in this series because Joe Arden himself It's not for any particular anatomical no reason. No, <laughs> no animal Which is not immediately obvious. <laughs> either implied, suggested or otherwise, for sure. So Joe Arden will appear when he does make live appearances. He will show up in he has a signature look, which is an LA Dodgers baseball cap sunglasses and uh, a mask or a balaclava something to cover the lower part of his face so he I'm was sure doing the last before it was I'm, cool i'm sure the <laughs> last nearly three years has been a boon for that oh, absolutely absolutely <laughs> and yet he manages to narrate through that which is one of the things that that impresses me most about him having seen the live stream he reacts and and does you know does these looks and everything but he's not he's not visible you know it look he looks more like no, he's very um, animated and the invisible man you know <laughs> he's right. not really but yet he's able to emote through all of that and let you know what he's thinking and his voice comes through even through these masks and everything so that he can still enunciate, he can still narrate, and he can still, you know, give a performance. Right. So I'm I'm kind of in awe of that, really. And now that leads us back to the narwhal. The uh, narwhal. The reason he's called that is is that he's he's kind of the unicorn of the group in in terms of. You know, he does all of this, but nobody really knows anything about him. And in the second book, he finds a girlfriend. and Who's played by Aaron Mallon. Who's, pra- who's played by Aaron Mallon. Frankie is, you know, it, it's very, very religious. Very, very religious. But you've, you come to find out that her religiousness is not what he first thinks it is. <laughs> right. So... Yeah, and I thought that was an interesting character. I I I I liked her because it was, you know, that everybody was like, "Oh, she's religious. She's going to be prudish." And then it come they come to find out that she's not. It's sort of this big surprise revelation and she's into the same she loves listening to the audiobooks and she loves although she's an eyeball reader. She's an eyeball reader. Yes. Right. So she did not know who he was until her friends cued her in. And, right. you know, then she conf- confesses that she loves romance novels. And and so she thought that he was being slow about their relationship, but he was trying to. He, he was trying to be deferential yeah, to her, to a belief system that she didn't hold. With, yeah. So. <laughs> So, you know, miscommunications yet again happen happen in romance novels all the time. But uh, the one of my favorite tropes. Yep. <laughs> yeah, it really I mean, you know, because if people would just talk to other people, I mean, 90, 95 percent of romance novels wouldn't happen. <laughs> 
but <laughs> I find it it's not just romance novels though honestly it's not just romance novels it's I mean I think what's what's hilarious to me is that one of the standard tropes of storytelling is miscommunication. So how is it that miscommunication, the inability to communicate effectively is, is central to the idea of communicating something effectively through a story? Yeah. And I think it's because <laughs> a, a lot of uh, human nature is that we are willing to wrap our assumptions around us like a blanket and sure we are not willing to admit when we're wrong okay. the unwillingness to admit it, it it provokes you know it provokes people it 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 does starts yeah. the conversations it you know all of that because you don't have and you don't even really have debate without the assumptions anyway i think that that's what starts the miscommunications but in in actual real life we get through it faster than they can do it in a book and it seems to me that less people sometimes 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 true sometimes and it, it seems to me too that less people get involved in actual human miscommunication than mm -hmm. in in a book in a story where you have a miscommunication and then you have he's told two friends about it she's told two friends about it and so on and so on and then suddenly everybody is involved in this thing, whereas real life humans, it's just between the two of them. <laughs> sometimes. So, or sometimes. <laughs> Again, sometimes. Yes. Yes. Take the broom whenever I start my sweeping generalizations, Anna. That's, that's what you're here for. <laughs> Teddy Hamilton and Tanya Evie, I think, have great chemistry together. They play these, uh, the... The sound engineer, the author. Well, there's actually two authors. Uh, Shane East is also an author in this one too, but she's the main romance right. author. None of this is done in a spiteful way at all. She's very... There is a lot of love for the industry. Very gentle with the humor when it's directed at you know, someone and, and particularly at the narrators themselves. Um, I think that this was leads me to another little <laughs> sidebar. So this is to, for those listening who are a part, a regular part of romance, romance landia, as it's, as it's commonly known, this is more to educate Xana on, on who these people are and how they interact. Uh, but Shane East and Joe Arden have uh, a very friendly rivalry but they have also worked together on mm romances which is male male gay romances and right. one of them was called uh this guy walks into my bar and it was written by lauren blakely and so they they started a bit of a twitter battle while this while this book was being promoted and the audiobook was being promoted they had a friendly rivalry on social media, so we'll say it that way. But definitely that that whole friendly rivalry thing, or le less than friendly rivalry, really, in the story or in the play is. I mean, it's beautifully done that they do this this rivalry. In this, in the case in the in the audio play, they're uh, on the corners of the triangle with with vera oh, yes who, vera she actually who, works yeah. for a ladder company she works so. for a ladder company which the 
I have to say one of the most hilarious parts to me is her answering the phone uh, for the ladder company. Yes, that is fun. It's like rise ups and and yeah, <laughs> all the jokes she makes. And they actually have a new book coming out next year. Uh, Lauren Blakely does with Joe Arden and Shane East reading it. And I, I'm not sure of the title as yet, but I want to make a little plug announcement here is that they are uh, giving away or they are selling merch for this. Their hashtag for this is uh, Eden, which is their names combined and it's e-a-d-e-n but they are but they are doing um a series of stickers that you can buy on addicted to the voice.com and all proceeds from the sticker sales will go to the trevor project awesome check that out and we'll have information on getting those in the show notes but getting back to the yeah <laughs> so shane is normally He's the billionaire playboy. He's the British. He's he's always the the default British dude. <laughs> he's the default, default British, guy. British dude. Yeah. Um. So yeah. this is if anybody is really playing against type in this in this whole series, it's Shane East because he's a bit nerdy, well, more than a bit nerdy, a bit bumbling and clumsy, and he is definitely playing it for laughs. You know, he's great at doing that, but he's also, he also has a voice that does the lower registers very well. Yes, I noticed that. Yes. And he gets very, very deep. Having the, the man you love to take to bed is his tagline, is playing, you know, somebody who's just kind of like a little bit clueless about his wife, about what she wants and needs. And a little bit clueless about everybody around him, to be honest. I mean, he's very self-absorbed, but not in the same sort of way that the Norwal is. No, no. In the case of Mr. Barnswallow, I think it's more that that it's all just gone to his head. Whereas with uh, Shane's character, and you'll have to remind me of his name. Shane's character was Cameron. Cameron, yes. Uh, so with Cameron, it was a little more of i don't understand these people <laughs> i don't understand any of them around me absolutely most hilarious scene though for me has got to be in the first book and vera and cameron are married with a child and they are he is an author of fantasy sci-fi type books oh yes fantasy thriller sci-fi epic with time travel elements that's what it is. <laughs> Fantasy thriller, sci-fi epic with time travel elements. He repeats that several times throughout the book. And he will say, you know, that it's that, it's not sci-fi. It's not just right. it's like his own specific subgenre. Right. But I think my favorite scene, though, is he loves his wife, but he doesn't quite understand her or she thinks he doesn't. To get away from it all, she listens to a lot of audiobooks, specifically ones narrated by Atticus Barnswallow, played by Joe Arden. Now, exactly. she will listen to these books in while doing the dishes, making dinner, while at work. And they're very exciting. And they're very exciting. So, yes, he is he is well known within that 
industry for saying the word fuck and adding as many U's to that word as he can <laughs> and still make it sound like the same word. So, so she listens to these very spicy, steamy romances and these long fucks <laughs> and the long fucks and wants to get to know them you know wants to get to know the uh, the audiobook narrators wants to be a part of that world and so yeah she writes to Atticus and he thinks that it's right the best thing he's ever heard um, yeah he's like oh this woman fan. really gets my my energy or really gets yes my and she like, understands let's me. meet let's meet and, and she's like oh hell and then she doesn't quite know what she's gotten into because she meets him in person and he's not quite what she expects but at the same time it's like he expects her to be single and (laughs) and that 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 was that that was an invitation for a date rather than fan letter Atticus is a very lonely man yes but he does get a girlfriend in the second book so nobody worry about him right no he has many happy endings I'm sure meanwhile her husband, her clueless husband, Cameron, is trying to write his novel. With time travel elements. He interrupts her at one point listening to Mr. Barnswallow. And and then the later scene towards the end of the book, which is one of my favorites and is just, it was the thing that I could not listen to on my commute because it was too funny and I was laughing too much was when he plugs in with Atticus Barnswallow in his <laughs> ear and he attempts to do what what Mr. Barnswallow is uh, narrating in the book. Specifically, tries to remove her underwear with his teeth, which then gets caught in the gap <laughs> in between his teeth. The funniest thing I have ever heard is Shane East trying to speak as though he has underwear caught in his teeth. <laughs> that was hilarious. Yes, that was very funny. Through the second book or the second uh, play, he has now written a a romance, a cyborg romance to identify with his wife, but that's not the kind of book he writes. He writes sci-fi cyborg epics with time travel elements and he does not write romance. So he's trying again, but he does not get the main narrators of this group, Atticus Barnswallow and Niffer, uh, because Jennifer is, is, and I had to say, I had, I had a moment with this. <laughs> I where, had to laugh with this. <laughs> uh, it was, it was quite the laugh. Um, he meets Early, new, early on. Early yeah. on, they meet a new narrator who was voiced by Samantha Bremore at, at the live stream. But, but Emma Wilder is, on the um, but is Emma Wilder book. on on the uh, actual audiobook narration, and both do fabulous job. By the way, her first name is Jennifer, and they Neil the sound guy her. has decided yeah, Neil, the sound guy immediately thinks that Jennifer sounds too old, yes. which is what what I found hilarious, and I can see why Jen has an issue with it yes so (laughs) so he pegs her at 50 at oldest maybe 45 at youngest or you know 40 somewhere around there but how are you going to be able to play basically being 
born in the 70s or early 80s because 60s 70s or early 80s because jennifer pretty much died out of usage out of that after exactly exactly and so it does put you in a bit of a generational domain the implication being though of course that if her name is jennifer how can she possibly play younger characters in their 20s and be able to you know narrate that and which is ridiculous, of course, because, you know, the same woman has been narrating Bart Simpson as an eight-year-old for for decades. So uh, <laughs> 30, 30 it can years. Be done. It can be done. But so they decide instead to, to start calling her Niffer instead of Jennifer. And so she's called Niffer through the rest of through the rest of the show or the rest of the other books. Yeah, I I had an issue with this. I I played with the idea of changing the name to Niffer for five minutes, and it's not- You're not a Niffer. I'm not a Niffer. I'm a Jen. You're a Jen. Yeah, so that that one kind of caught me. But it also was, so they were the two main male and female narrators. Neil, uh, played by Teddy Hamilton, is the is the, the engineer. Initially. Um, initially. And then he has, and then through the second book, we find out uh, that he and Georgia have gotten married. And uh, Georgia, played by Tanya Eby, who is the um, the romance novelist. They're all connected also by the fact that Georgia and Cameron are writing partners. So they they write together, try to encourage each other and keep things and keep things going. And 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 in the second book, Georgia finds that she can't write romance anymore. Her happily mm-hmm. ever after is too happy. Her own life being so good that she can't she can't really seem to come up with the plots or anything anymore. Not enough conflict in her life. So Cameron suggests that she instead write something angry. And so she proceeds to kill off her husband on the page, um, which he finds and is absolutely terrified by. (laughs) So he, of course, miscommunication. And he does find out later that she was just trying to work out, work through her writer's block. Much better to kill him on the page than in real life. Exactly. And so the second one of the three of them, to me, was the weakest. But I think it served as a transition to the third one anyway. I I think that that's probably true. But I think the second one is... I'm pretty sure that's where my favorite moment comes. And it's when I realized that that Joe Arden is much more talented than I was giving him credit for up until that point. Um, so which scene? So he, I can't remember exactly what the setup was, but he was talking about that he could do voices from all sorts of different places. Oh, yes. The accent. And so, um, and so he does an accent from Ireland and from Scotland and England and and then I think the moment that I fell in love with it was the point where he said, well, and he can even do Minnesota. <laughs> <laughs> I'm originally from the Midwest and from South Dakota, um, the part that's closest to Minnesota. And if you're not familiar with the flyover states, it's, yeah, it's right on the, the crease in in an atlas. But when he said that, I just, we have... My husband and I have joked for years about how that really, really strong Minnesota accent or sometimes Wisconsin accent is not super sexy, at least not when you're talking with, uh, you know, 
all the different <laughs> accent of it. It's like, oh, baby. Yeah. Yeah. Give me some of that. Oh, sure, honey. Yeah. Oh, oh, you betcha. That's the spot. Oh, <laughs> yeah, you're right. It's not sexy. <laughs> but yeah, but just in doing that, just the whole th- he transformed for me instantly from somebody that was just sort of a deep and serious voice and, and growly, and the growly voice to this guy is hilarious. Yes. <laughs> and so, I mean, it was at that moment that I was like, I got to find him and follow him. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm going to say that. But it was also so, Aaron's writing. So <laughs> it's, it's Aaron's writing too. And, and she, she and Joe have worked together a lot and and you can tell that she has a lot of affection for him but is also not constantly nec- yanking yeah chain. constantly gonna poke that if if she can and 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 burst his bubble any chance and she you can know what I have so much love and respect for people who do that yes yes and and for because people I feel we're soul it. sisters and the, yes. for the people who can take it you know I mean he he uh, uh, he could have said oh hell no this is too close and I'm not gonna have anything to do with but this it project was... but he embraced it right because I think it. he well he's a professional he definitely doesn't take himself so seriously that it's obnoxious and I think that's where I enjoyed it yeah and and okay full disclosure i follow joe on social media and he always strikes me as very grateful for what he has yeah for his for his fans for the work he gets to do for all of that he is somebody who strikes me as some someone always full of gratitude because you know we all know how quickly it can go so yeah it uh and especially in the arts you know especially when you're a performer in the arts i mean that was it, it all definitely turns on been, dime. yeah it all turns I on mean, a dime and so he he does have an immense amount of gratitude that comes out with everything that he does. So he is willing to play up that supposed arrogance, but he also knows when to pull back and say thank you. And exactly. he does that quite frequently. So that uh, that being said, I'm going to give you your next assignment before we ah. finish discussing. Okay. Uh, but uh, I'm, I'm going excited. to give you your next assignment because because I'm doing this while I can think about it. Now, I have had, I will admit to an extreme prejudice here about men who write romance novels. I don't think, or I didn't think that it could be done, done well, because I didn't think that particularly steamy romance novels where where there are sex scenes, something was just missing out of it. I have to eat my words and take it all back because Joe Arden wrote The Chameleon Effect. Okay. And he also narrates it. And it is a very, and you can tell it's a very personal project for him. You know, that that he has narrated all of these books, 300 plus at this point. And so he he knows, you know, what they what they sound like and and all of that. Mm-hmm. He wrote a poignant, funny story, and I really enjoyed it. And I enjoyed the audiobook. You know, I could tell from this that he had put his heart and soul into it. Mm-hmm. So whether he writes another one again, I don't know, but he's receiving accolades and they're well deserved. Anyway, your next assignment is The Chameleon Effect by Joe Arden. And you 
don't have to listen to the audiobook, but try a little bit of it, you know, okay. just, just to get a sample. But the book itself stands on its own. And this coming from the person who said men can't write romance. And I understand that sentiment because I know a lot of men who have written books who maybe I haven't read any romances written by men, but I've read novels and other books by men who try to put romance in some fashion into books. And it is usually left wanting very badly. Joe pulled it off. And Joe, I think, and Joe I think made that, me want to try again with another male author sometime in the future. I think that's great. And I'm, I'm happy to see that Joe was able to navigate that space well. I want to go back to These Walls Can Talk because we haven't really touched on the third book. And I think that, and I think it's important to talk about this, especially as relates to this book, because, you know, we've been talking this whole time about, about story being a human experience, you know, that, that telling and stories. And sort of essential to the human. And it's central to the human experience. So the third one suggests that there is, we now have Cameron who has, who has written another book. This time though, he is having it narrated by Artie, um, Artie, who is an, who is a robot, an AI, yeah, robot. But it turns out that Artie was developed by the company that Niffer's wife works for. Right. But he is an AI uh, voiced by Jason Clark. Who does a really great job of sounding he like does, an AI. He does a great job with it. There's, there is actually one of my favorite moments for him is they are at a book signing and introducing Artie to the public. And he says that, you know, they, they kind of give this demonstration where they show how he narrates in different genres. So, mm-hmm. you know, they have him do a thriller and a romance and a, you know, sci-fi and and nonfiction and all like all of these different things. It's supposed to show the range of what he can do. Mm-hmm. There is, as with AI, there's something missing. And so it's Atticus Barnswallow and Niffer who show up for this demonstration. First of all, I don't know exactly how they're drawing this this. I mean, there there is a description of what Artie looks like. Apparently, he's Artie is a hottie, um, <laughs> which I um, so I have questions. <laughs> yeah, I I, I mean, was, uh, why why would you need to build an actual human looking yeah, machine? It, it's to... it's the, you know it's the male voice of Siri, but right with a little inflection injection i won't say emotional injection because it's ai so it's not emotional and that's kind of the point my favorite part of it though is when atticus barnswallow gets up and he makes this impassioned absolutely wonderful speech about how ai can never take over narration because they can't know what because part of the narration is the narrator's experience Right. Too. And so, you the, know, um, they, the ability to emote. And... Yeah, the ability to emote and the the ability to convey things like what a first kiss feels like and what what love and pain and, and grief and and anger, what those things actually feel like so that you can express that. And so the that the reader can feel it when they're listening. 
Yeah. And, and it's, it's a tremendous, it's a wonderful speech. He challenges Artie to a, uh, it's a form of a narrator duel, I think. He but, throws down with Artie. Yeah, he throws down and, and they're asking for suggested sentences from the audience. Right. And Atticus comes up with humanity is all we have. Yeah. And which so is, they, which is beautiful. And so he gets Artie to say it in all these different voices, but as he goes on it's obvious that that they're not that yeah that it's not necessarily that you can you can really tell it it's not going to work you know that it's that there's something missing that an ai because, saying it even though it's an a person AI saying it an AI. and jason yeah. clark does such a great job here you know he really with does it getting all of these different inflections and yet zero emotion in the voice Right, which you know absolutely nails that. That's what we call talent. You're you're trying to you're a human trying to keep your humanity out of your voice. I mean, and it makes Cameron, who is who is the who is who is the the, uh, who is the author and the one who is promoting Artie. He you know he says at one point, uh, "When did I become the guy who turns his nose up at a sentiment like humanity is all we have?" Right, that's not who I am. It's the coming together moment. There's a beautiful sentiment, but same time so rise of the machine is what the subtitle on this is so he tries to take over he develops a crush Artie does on vera and so he locks cameron in a cabinet and pretends to be him which jason clark trying to do shaney's voice is hilarious <laughs> and so they all show up and the narrators all show up and they're they're saying that then they start to do this rap that oh my god <laughs> swallow the johnson is probably my favorite name yeah um, it's their hash ship it's name. neil neil johns or what is it it was neil had a different first name yeah neil had but, a different name that he used his, for for his thing but yeah it's uh but the last name was johnson and and of yeah. course there's barn swallow so yeah. when they start narrating mm fixed together they are swallow the johnson which... swallow the johnson and that becomes the chorus of their rap that they try to do a rap battle with with Artie, and uh, <laughs> it's quite a rap will save us all quite a thing that whole idea of yeah humanity and storytelling and then you have this and i have heard them there there are ai audiobooks and the narrators just can't be replaced i mean no it's really, i mean I can see where for things like, you know, map directions and whatever, fine, have have an AI do that. But when you're telling a story, it's got to be one human to another. And for, you know, those who are of the, well, I only read books and that's the only way. I'm an eyeball it. reader. I'm an eyeball reader only because that is the only way that you can consume and books. Is to be fair, I am largely all, an ableist. <laughs> yeah. It's it's it an is, ableist, it is ableist notion for sure. Um, you know, there is something that can be added to to a book by listening to a narrator do it and sometimes there's something that subtracts because you know, you have when you read a story, especially if if it's something that you've read before and then you hear an audiobook version of it, it kind of takes you out of it because you hear a voice in your head speaking these characters if that narrator doesn't match up with your perception then i can it can you know, really can be a departure that, 
yeah, it can be a real departure and it can really take you out of it. And I can see where that would be a problem for some, but for others, it's the only way that they can consume books or it's the way that they prefer to consume books. You know, mm-hmm. the those who are neurodivergent, uh, visually impaired, uh, a host of reasons. It's, it, it's definitely something to want to have options available. That's why we'll talk about both the physical books themselves and, and the audiobook versions if we have listened to them. So Zana, do we want to come up with a rating system for, for the books I recommend? Hmm. What kind of rating system would we put on five cups? Five cups? Sure. Or These Walls Can Talk by Aaron Mallon, uh, the entire series. How would you rate that? I would say the entire series, I would probably go with about four and a half cups. Excellent. I really thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, Excellent. Yeah, it's a great start. Uh, my issues with it were small, really. And I enjoyed the humor and I enjoyed the parody of the industry that I'm still sort of nascent in. And so <laughs> I was hoping that in starting with this one, that it was an introduction and something that would pique your interest enough that you would want to explore more. And, and it definitely has. I think that, uh, you know, I, I was aware of the book that you recommended that I read for next time because I had gone plundering around looking at these these narrators and their um and the author and and their other works and um so i saw that as an available option and i was like oh well that might be interesting but it might be terrible so i wasn't really (laughs) sure i'm glad that you've recommended it to me and i'm glad to hear that it's that it it's probably worth my time so So i you know i'm looking forward to it the recommendation for our uh, next episode talking together will be uh, The Chameleon Effect by Joe Arden. And so we'll see what you what you think. Yeah. And until next time, when we will be talking with someone in the book industry and related industries. Until next time, this is Jen. And this is Anna. Thank you for joining us for the Cup and Saucy Book Club. Happy reading. Cheers.